Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find it written in the book of Exodus, the 20th chapter, the 13th verse. Thou shalt not ratzah. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. We refer to this weekend, as you know, as the 4th of July weekend. Yesterday was the 4th of July. We think of July the 4th, 1776. Yesterday, July the 4th, 1970. We are celebrating the 194th birthday of the land that you and I love. And we want to celebrate it here in God's house this morning. And as we look out on our nation that we love today, we say, but we are at war. Now this brings up that troublesome question in your heart and mind. What about this taking of human life? What about this spilling of human blood? What about this cutting off of human life. What does God say about it? This is what I'd like to do this morning. I'd like to turn back to the Word of God with you and let's find out what does God have to say about taking human life? What does He have to say about spilling human blood? We go back to Mount Sinai where God gave the Ten Commandments, as you recall, and you also know that one of the commandments deals with this subject of taking human life, of spilling human blood. And there at Mount Sinai, God spoke this commandment that you and I call the fifth, and some churches numbered it the sixth, which makes no difference. When God spoke, he used a very particular word. The Old Testament, as you know, is given in Hebrew, the New Testament in Greek. And when God spoke, the Holy Spirit has preserved that word which he spoke as regards to the taking of human life, and Moses wrote it down, and that word is ratsach, R-A-T-S-A-C-H. It is a very special word, and to translate it accurately, to translate the meaning that God gives to that word, at Sinai as regards the taking of human life. God said, Thou shalt not rotsock, thou shalt not murder. That's the word in its accuracy. It is not the word kill. The word is murder. The New English Bible, by the way, in its recent edition of the Old Testament, has this more accurate translation of rotsock, which means to murder. At Mount Sinai, when you and I say, God, what do you say about this thing of taking human life, of spilling human blood? God says, I say, and I want you to remember this, thou shalt not rotsock, thou shalt not murder. God does not say, thou shalt not kill. And today, as you and I look at this problem that bothers your soul and mind, when we think of war and the spilling of human blood, we say, God, what do you say on this? And God reminds you and me 
as Christians and as Americans and as we deal with the subject of taking human life, God says, I remind you that I forbid the taking of all human life by murder. There is no exception, God says. I do not forbid the taking of all human life by killing. You and I may say this morning, what's the difference? What's the difference whether you take human life by murder or whether you take human life by killing? But there is a big difference. To take human life by murder means to take it in a spirit of hatred, to take it in a spirit of revenge, to take it in a spirit of hostility, in a spirit of animosity, in a spirit of jealousy. To kill means to take human life, to be sure, but not in a spirit of hatred, not in a spirit of revenge, not in a spirit of hostility. And on this, the 194th birthday of our nation, God reminds you and me that he forbids all murders without exception, regardless of circumstances. This is absolute. God says, I forbid, I prohibit, I say no to every murder. I absolutely want no murder, no killing in a premeditated spirit of hatred and revenge. But I do not forbid all killing without exception. There are some killings that God allows. You and I may say this is rather difficult to accept. God says, thou shalt not stop. Absolutely. God said, this is what he said at Sinai, thou shalt not murder without any reservation whatsoever, absolutely. God did not say, being accurate to the scriptures, thou shalt not kill. And we may say to ourselves, that's hard to accept that there are exceptions in this case of killing, but no exceptions in the case of murder, because we may say human life is sacred and God knows it's sacred. And therefore we may say that, therefore if human life is sacred, isn't all taking of human life wrong? Isn't all taking of human life sinful? Isn't all taking of human life reprehensible? Isn't it all against God and doesn't God punish? God would remind you and me today that he says, Thou shalt not rot stop, thou shalt not murder. I forbid all murder without exception, but I do not forbid all killing without exception because God would remind you and me on the basis of his word that not all killings are wrong. Not all killings are sinful. Not all killings are against his will. Some killings are, but not all killings. Some killings on the basis of the eternal word of God. Some killings are right. Some killings are proper. You may say to me this morning, what killings are right? What are the exceptions that God makes? And I think we ought to look at that this morning as we celebrate the birthday of our nation and we are troubled with this problem of taking human life. In the first place, God reminds you and me of this, that he has given government the right to kill when individuals become murderers. What are some of the exceptions? Bear in mind, all rot sock is absolutely forbidden. There is no exception. There is no excuse. There are no circumstances that would ever justify taking a man's life in murderous and in a hatred spirit. God says, no, no, no. 
But when it comes to killing, God says there are some killings that are right. This is not in an absolute sense. And here's the first exception. Genesis 9, 6, God says, Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. In the context, God is talking about murder. God says a man that goes out and takes another man's life and murders in hatred, in revenge, in the spirit of spite and animosity, God says, by man, not by God, by man, shall his blood be shed. There is an allowance of taking a man's life who has committed murder. In Romans 13 in the New Testament, God speaks about government. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. And then he says, if the government beareth not the sword in vain. On the basis of the eternal word of God, God says, I give to government the right to kill. It has the sword. I've given it to government. It has the sword that many individuals murder. When they take human life in cold blood, premeditated hatred, God says, I give government the right to kill. Oh, I know when we talk about capital punishment, I could talk the rest of the morning on that. There are those that say it's nothing but legalized revenge. Oh, no, it's justice. It is possible, again, to put a person to death. Government can do it without animosity, without ill will. There dare not be any hatred or animosity. But again, but when a man murders another man, God says, I give the government the sword. It has the right in this instance to take human life. Whoso sheddeth man's blood as a murderer by man shall his blood be shed. Oh, I'm not going to argue the pros and cons of capital punishment. All that I'm saying is this, that on the basis of the eternal word, God says, listen, all murders are wrong. I forbid absolutely all murders. There never was a murder committed that was right. But I do not forbid all killings. God is saying that the government has the right for capital. And therefore, the government, it actually acts as the agents and it acts as again one of the agents and one of the servants of God in carrying out these killings when individuals in that government have committed murder. Now that's the first exception. And that's why today when we talk about this thing of taking human life, we say to ourselves, well, human life is precious. Isn't the taking of human life always wrong? Isn't it always the sin? And God says at Mount Sinai, thou shalt not rot, sock, thou shalt not murder. Absolutely, God said, no exceptions here. God didn't say thou shalt not kill. God talked about murder. That's the word the Holy Spirit has preserved for you and me. And therefore, let's know this and remember this today on the birthday of our great nation. But God reminds us that he absolutely forbids and prohibits all murder without exception, but not all killings for the simple reason that there are some killings that God allows. Some are not wrong. Some are right. And because God forbids all murders, we ought to today say to ourselves and be determined, God, keep murder out of my heart against my fellow man or against myself. I know when we look out on our nation today, oh, the bitterness and the hatred that we have, class against class. And we say, where did it all come from? How come we hate one another as we do? When I stood in Jerusalem, the city of peace, and saw the hatred that existed there between the Jewish world and the Arab world, I thought I had never seen such hatred. But 
We are seeing it in our nation today, aren't we? Hatred against hatred. And Jesus mentioned one day, didn't he? He said the time is going to come and a house is going to be divided and two against three and three against two. We are seeing, aren't we? Where father hates the son and the son hates the father and would love to murder him. And the mother hates the daughter and the daughter of the mother and the mother-in-law the daughter-in-law and the daughter-in-law the mother-in-law. Jesus says that time will come, this thing of hatred. We look out on a nation, we say, why do we hate one another like we hate? And we ought to realize the word of God says, whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding him. We ought to say to ourselves, I've got hatred in my heart against my fellow man, regardless of who he is or what he is. I'm a murderer in God's sight. And how about hating ourselves? Can the, if the time comes to you, I say, I hate my life, I don't want to live. Do we have the right again to murder ourselves in suicide? But some of us may say, well, the word of God also says, thou shalt not kill, and it does. But never in an absolute sense. But even in killing, the person would say, well, I've got the right to take my life, even though I don't hate myself, I'm tired of living, and therefore I don't want to live anymore. But in the word of God, there is no place that God condones even killing as regards suicide, God says, oh no, your life belongs to me. I gave you life. The Lord gave and let the Lord take away. Well, therefore, let's get hatred out of our hearts today against our fellow man. Lest you and I again in hatred become murderers in the sight of God. We say to ourselves on this 194th birthday of our nation, and we look out and we say, what about this thing of taking human life? This thing of shedding human blood? God, what do you say? This is what God said at Mount Sinai. God says, thou shalt not rot soft. Thou shalt not murder. God says, I remind you on this, the birthday of your nation. He says that under no circumstances do you ever have the right to murder. To take a man's life in a premeditated spirit of hatred and revenge and violence. No, sir, God says, no exceptions. But God says, I did not say, thou shalt not kill without exception. God says, there are some exceptions in this thing of killing without a spirit of hatred. And you and I may say, do you mean to say there are some killings that are right in the sight of God? There are. And what's the second one? It's this. God reminds you and me that not only with capital punishment that the government has the right to kill when men become murderers, but in the second place, God reminds you and me that he has given government the right to kill when nations rise up and become murderers. Is there any difference between an individual arising and in hatred and revenge taking a human life? than a nation arising and becoming murderers to attack and to enslave and to murder? Is there any difference? The government has the sword. Whoso sheddeth man's blood by man shall his blood be shed, yet the government beareth not the sword in vain. On the basis of the word of God, God gives a government the right to defend itself the government has the right to use the sword. It has the right to kill. It has the right to take human life when again it is attacked in its own defense or another nation that is attacked may call for help. Oh, I know you may say to me this morning, has there ever been a war that is really a war of self-defense? I'm not here to argue that. What I am here to say on the basis of the word of God, that God Almighty again, this is an exception that government has the right to kill, to defend itself. The law of Christian love 
The law of Christian love whereby you and I protect and defend our loved ones and our nation to use the sword, oh yes, in killing, to be sure, but never to murder. All murder, all killing and hatred and animosity is wrong. God says no exception, regardless of circumstances, regardless of conditions, thou shalt not rotsock, and that word means murder. It doesn't mean kill. And as today we celebrate the 194th birthday of our nation, we ought to write it on our souls and say, what does God say about this thing of taking human life? God says again, thou shalt not rotsock, thou shalt not murder. You shall never take a person's life in a spirit of hatred and revenge and animosity and jealousy, hostility. But God did not say thou shalt not kill without exception. There are exceptions that God makes in this thing of killing. And whenever we read thou shalt not kill, we have to know there are some killings that are right and there are some killings that are wrong. The one that is right is the nation's right to defend itself. And therefore we ought to say this to ourselves. I must see that my conscience is enlightened by the word of God with regard to this thing of taking human life. Conscience. God gave you and me a sense of right and wrong. When I allow my conscience to be enlightened on the basis of the word of God, then what kind of a conscience do I have? I have this kind of a conscience then that says to me, oh, murdering is absolutely wrong. It's never justified. I dare never hate. I dare never have revenge. But I can defend my country. I can go out and I can kill. When a nation attacked my loved ones, and a nation would enslave my own nation and my people, the law of Christian love gives me the right. You may say to me, how could anybody go out and be a soldier and kill and not hate? Whoever told you that it was easy to be a Christian? It is possible to go out and to kill and not to murder. May I say the thing that I prize about my Lutheran church is this, I'm not preaching something new. I am preaching this, that the Lutheran Church has always stood, that a man may bear arms and be a Christian. If pacifism is the answer, if God has forbidden all murders and all killings without exception, then you and I have got to say today that every boy over in Vietnam and every man that has fought for our country has committed sin. If he's lost his life, he's lost eternally. Have you ever realized the status of the military even in Scripture? Remember up in Capernaum one day when a centurion, a Roman, a soldier, head of a century of a hundred men came to Jesus and my servant is ill. Remember when Jesus said to him, I'll come and heal him. And that centurion, that heathen said, oh, you don't have to come to my house. Just say the word. I am a man under authority and I know what it is. You've got the power and the authority. What did Jesus say about this soldier? He said, I haven't found so great faith. No, not in all Israel. In a heathen man, he said, I have not found so faith even among my people as I found in this man. How about the century and the soldier at the cross, who again was the one that carried out the crucifixion of Jesus? What did he say? It's recorded that he said, this truly, this was a righteous man. Surely this was the Son of God. Military men are, again, they're looked up to in the Word of God. How about Cornelius over in Caesarea, who was a centurion, the Roman a member of the Roman legion who sent for Peter and was baptized. Is it wrong to be a soldier? 
merely on the basis of the word of God. God again does not forbid all killing. God allows some the right of a nation when other nations become murderers to defend itself. Now how about a Christian, an individual who says, but my conscience will not allow me even to take human life when I have no spirit of hatred, no grudge. My conscience will not allow me to bear arms and it will not allow me and if I would, I feel that I would lose my Christ, my life, my salvation. How many of us realize that we've got a tremendous nation under which we live, that we have a nation that says if your conscience tells you that the taking of human life under any consideration is wrong. You may apply as a conscientious objector and you may tell your government and again, if you are telling the truth that you will be exempted. That's the kind of a government you and I live under. And then there's a new one that makes me prouder than ever of my government. There is such a thing now as conscientious objection apart from religious scruples. That a young man that says it's not on the basis of religion, but my conscience tells me it's wrong to take human life under all circumstances, even though the Word of God doesn't say that. You and I have a nation that doesn't want to make any one of its citizens go against its conscience with regard to this thing of taking human life. And I'd like to ask you this morning, you name me another nation under heaven. That is that tremendous that is that considerate, that is that wonderful. Young men, there's no other nation like it under heaven. But thank God we can say today that our boys that are in the service who are Christians, they can bear arms. Those who have lost their lives are not doing something that God has forbidden. Back at Mount Sinai, God says, thou shalt not rot thou shalt not murder. He did not say, thou shalt not kill. One preserved of the Holy Spirit, that word is accurate. And therefore, let's thank God for the kind of a nation in which you and I live today. We say to ourselves, oh, this thing hurts. I know some of you have lost your loved one in war. And you say to yourself, what about it? Are they Christian? Can a Christian bear arms? What about this thing of taking human life? God says, remember, I forbid all ratsa. I forbid all murders without exception. Absolutely, there are no extenuating circumstances. Any taking of human life in hatred, in hostility, God says, I forbid it, it's wrong, but I do not forbid all killings. God didn't say thou shalt not kill there at Sinai. He said it other places, but that again, not in an absolute sense. At Sinai it was definite, thou shalt do no murder. That means this then, that our God reminds us this morning that he has given government the right to kill, which also includes and means also the duty of providing for the common welfare of its citizens. Government has the right, again, of common defense, 
to provide for the defense of its people and to promote the welfare. Every commandment of God has a negative. God says, don't murder. Luther puts it beautifully in the explanation of the fifth commandment. We should not hurt nor harm our neighbor in his body, but help and befriend him in every bodily. That's the positive side. And when God gives the government the right of the sword, the right to kill, with that right there also goes this positive thing to provide for the common defense and to promote the general welfare, words that you and I know. I wonder if we realize today, friends, that we had the right defended by the sword of our government to come to church this morning, that I have the right to stand up here and preach Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of men. He who came out of the ivory palaces into this world of sin. He who was God and man. He again who was divine and who was human, who went to Calvary's cross and who died for you and me, who bore hell and damnation for you and me and all men, and that through our faith holding to him, you and I have life and eternal salvation. Our government promotes the general, I have the right and to be defended in standing up here this morning and preaching Jesus Christ. Do we appreciate it? The promoting the general welfare that our government takes social security, that age shall live in dignity, housing for the needy, low-cost rental, that age may come into old age with dignity. You and I say the right of assembly, the right of liberty. If you're going up to the lake today, you don't have to go to the government and tell them where you're going and ask for permission. We live in a tremendous nation that provides for the common welfare. And therefore, government becomes actually the agent and the servant of God in carrying out these things. Let's get straight on this thing of taking human life on the basis of Scripture. What does the Word of God say? Back at Mount Sinai, when God spoke from that mountain, God said, Thou shalt not rot, sock, thou shalt not murder. He did not say, Thou shalt not kill. Let's be accurate. The Holy Spirit is accurate. And therefore, today, as we celebrate the birthday of the nation you and I love, we ought to say, I'm determined to pray for my nation. I am determined in love to show it in deeds to my fellow man and to mend the flaws of my nation. Oh, I know our nation that we love has got false. Sure, I do. And so do you. And your heart and mine, it aches because of these things. And we look out and we say, what about our nation? 194 years old, will we ever reach the 200th birthday? For a democracy, that doesn't seem long, but it's long. Democracy somehow or other don't last so long. Will ours last? It needs your prayers and mine. It needs love and action that we look upon one another under God and in this government as equals. That we shall again in love and in mercy and in kindness deal with one another. That all of us shall enjoy the same rights and the same responsibilities and the same privileges. When the Philippine Islands became a dependency of the United States, it is said that as O'Glory was put up on a flagpole, a little Filipino boy walked up to one of our soldiers and he had a Bible in his hand. 
And he said to our soldier, Mister, he said, under that flag, can I still read this Bible? And can I still pray? And can I still believe in Jesus? And that soldier happened to be a Christian. And he said, young man, under that flag, he says, you can read that Bible. You can still pray. You can still believe in Jesus Christ. He says, in fact, that's the one book that you can lay on top of old glory, the word of God. Is this nation going to last? Are we praying for it to refine it? Oh, yes, it's got faults, but it's still the greatest under heaven. It's still glorious to be sure. A nation, again, that allows conscience in your life and mine we can express it and it would not unwittingly or deliberately interfere with your conscience and mine. Oh, that we might pray that this nation may live, that all of us who want to may stand and face the Christian flag and thank God for our nation, that we can say, I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the church for which it stands one Savior, universal, with life and salvation for all. And we can do that today. And oh, to God that all of us could turn to old glory. We could put our hands on our hearts and we could say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. This is America. Francis Scott Key still is asking the question, Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming? Whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watch were so gallantly streaming, and the rockets' red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. And then he says, Oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave o'er the land of the free and the home? of the brave, America, the beautiful, the greatest, God preserve her, that this nation, the greatest under heaven, of the people, and by the people, and for the people, should not perish from the earth. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.